My name is Alex DeRosa. I am our family life pastor here at New Life, and I'm so thankful that you decided to invest some of your morning with us today. If you're a first-time guest, I just want to welcome you to service with us today. We love the fact that you're here. We've been praying and planning for your arrival. Thank you so much for, for coming out today. And right now, we are in part two of our most merry series of the year called Christmas at the Movies. Last week, Pastor Chris kicked us off by talking about the Grinch, and today we're going to focus on a Christmas carol. I love Christmas. I love the time of year. I love everything that it stands for. I love the reminder that God sent Jesus to this earth for you and me to reunite us in relationship with the God of the universe, that he loved us so much that he freely gave his son so that Jesus could come to this earth into our realm, into the physical realm, to where humans dwell, and then he could grow up, die, come back from the dead, so that our sins can be forgiven and we can be reunited with Jesus. I love that when God sent Jesus, he was so excited that he wanted to make sure that it wasn't missed, that when the Son of God came into this world, that people took notice. I love that creation worshiped Jesus whenever he came in by this star just shining brightly, this huge star over where Jesus was born, letting the world know that something big had just occurred. I also love that God made sure that people were aware of this. He sent angels to some shepherds in a field to let them know that Jesus had arrived. We're going to read about what happened when the shepherds showed up, and it's recorded in Luke 2, 9 through 14. It says this, Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So God made sure to let people know that Jesus had arrived. The shepherds then went and saw baby Jesus, and then they went out into the community, knocking on doors, letting everyone know that would listen that Jesus had arrived, that the Messiah was here. And then as Jesus grew up and he did the ministry that he set out to do here on this earth, he was still noticed. People still were aware that something was different. Both believers and non-believers alike flocked to Jesus to see what was going on. Why was this person coming and saying that he is God, that he could forgive sins? They heard about his miracles and his healings and his teachings, and they knew that there was an authority unlike anyone else, and so they flocked to him. Jesus was noticed. It was part of God's plan. And then when Jesus died and came back from the dead, he still has this plan to let people notice him on this earth. But the plan is for people to see Jesus in us. Jesus gave us this information. He gave us this knowledge, this application while he was still doing his ministry. It was recorded by Matthew and this is one of Jesus' disciples. Matthew 5.14 says, you, meaning all people who believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Last week, Pastor Chris talked about how one of the gifts that we receive because of Jesus coming to earth, that we celebrate at Christmas, is a gift of new life. 
And when this new life takes over us, when our lives are given over to Jesus as Lord and Savior, this amazing thing happens. We shine like that star over where Jesus was born into the world. We are like a city on a hill letting people know that Jesus is still real, that he still exists, and that he dwells among us. And this is all part of God's plan. You see, God's plan is for the world to know about Jesus. He didn't want Jesus to be hidden. He didn't want it to come in secret. He wanted the world to know that God dwelt with man and that God wants this relationship with us. And the way that God lets people know about that right now, his plan, his desire is through our lives. And when we live into the new life that Jesus has given us, it will be evident that not only that he's real, but that he dwells among us and that he's transformed us. And this leads us to our take-home point, the one point that this message is all about. It comes right from God's word and something that we can live out in the day, the week, the life ahead. Our take-home point is our new lives in Jesus must be evident to those around us. When a change happens, it should be seen. When a change happens, it must be evident of that change. This is one of the reasons I've picked a Christmas carol for us to talk about today. In a Christmas carol, we have this amazing story of this man who by all counts was evil, treated people terribly, looked out for his own good, and then had this dramatic transformation to being a good person who looked out for the needs of others. If you've never heard of a Christmas carol, I do want to say just kind of a a point before we get into it, that it is not a Christian story by nature. It has some spiritual elements in it. There's ghosts or spirits, and they do mention God. Tiny Tim says, God bless us, everyone. But it is not a story of someone becoming a Christian. But it is a story that we can learn from. It's something that we can take things and say, what does Scripture say about this, and how can we live a transformed life out as well? If you've never read A Christmas Carol, it was written by Charles Dickens. It was first published December 19th of 1843. So we're going to spoil the whole thing today. And if you've never watched it, you had 178 years to check it out, to read the book, watch the movie. There are over 30 adaptions of The Christmas Carol or A Christmas Carol. There are movies and TV shows and made-for-TV movies and TV episodes of the Christmas Carol in there. There's also a movie called The Man Who Invented Christmas, which is a great retelling of Charles Dickens' early life and him writing the, the book. I don't know if it's accurate, but it's great. It's really fun and it's, it's enjoyable to watch. My wife and I first saw that when she was pregnant with our oldest son, Ezra. During that pregnancy, she really just wanted movie theater popcorn. That was a craving, movie theater popcorn. So we saw a lot of movies, which was, which was pretty fun. I remember one day she was like, I want Pizza Roma pizza. Specifically, that's it. And it was in Cranberry Township. So we went to Cranberry. We got Pizza Roma. We ate a couple slices in the car. And then she's like, now I want popcorn. I was like, all right, let's do it. And so we went to the movies. We left the pizza in the car, got the tickets. We were like, what do we see? We just picked a Christmas movie because Christmas movies are fun. And we went and sat down. And then as soon as we sat down, my wife looked at me and said, now I want the pizza as well. So I got the pizza box from the car, went to the high schooler behind the desk and said, my pregnant wife wants this in there. Are you going to stop that or can, we, can I go in? And he let me go in. So we ate pizza while watching uh, The Man Who Invented Christmas. Great, great movie. But all of it is about a guy named Ebenezer Scrooge, again, who was an evil man. He didn't care for anyone else. In fact, he hated his family, his employees, the poor, the whole spirit of Christmas, all of it he disliked until 
the night before Christmas, he was visited by these three spirits, these three ghosts, the ghosts of Christmas, past, present, and future. He was shown his past mistakes, his current failures, and then the future ramifications of those decisions. And one of the things that he was shown by the ghost of Christmas not yet to come was a death that was going to happen. Actually, two deaths, really. He was shown first the death of a little boy named Tiny Tim, who was a son of one of Scrooge's employees, Bob Cratchits. And we kind of get this idea by watching it that if only Scrooge would have helped out the family just a little bit more, that maybe Tiny Tim would have gotten the medical attention he needed to escape death. And then the last thing Scrooge sees is his own death. He sees a grave with no name on it, and he realizes that he is going to die alone. Although he's gained all this wealth, he's going to die alone with no one caring for him. And in fact, we see people celebrating the fact that this old curmudgeon had died, and they were looting through his stuff, and they were celebrating his death. And this brings up some truth that is right from God's word. King Solomon, the wisest person outside of Jesus to ever live, talks about greed in his book, Proverbs. And Proverbs chapter 1, verse 19 says this, Such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. This rings true when he experienced Scrooge in the story. Not only is it literally going to rob his human life, he's going to die, But also, all of his relationships are pushed away. His family, his employees, his friends, everything goes away because of his greed. But the cool thing is about this story is Scrooge then wakes up on Christmas morning and he decides that he's going to be different. He makes a proclamation that he's going to be a changed person. And then he goes around doing good deeds to let people know that he is no longer the man he used to be. We're going to watch two clips. I'm going to talking between them. But the first clip we're going to see is that moment where Scrooge wakes up and he decides to be different. Maybe I should have given you a heads up that it was the Muppets version. Uh, it's my favorite version of A Christmas Carol. We sat down as a family the other day. We, my wife popped some popcorn. We we're like, we're going to watch A Christmas Carol to get like in the, the spirit of this message. And we wanted the most like kid-friendly one, could be a four and a two-year-old, and so we put this one on, and it was mostly good. There was a couple spooky parts with uh, the different ghosts that, that the boys kind of didn't love, but for all intents and purposes, it was nice and fun. And so in that scene, we got to see Scrooge make some amends. And then directly after this scene, there's about a five-minute montage. It's a musical montage. It's really fun. You can go home and, and YouTube it or watch the, the whole thing. He goes around and he does good deeds to people that previously, before he went to sleep, he was treating poorly. And then he arrives at Bob Cratchit's house. Again, this is one of his employees. His son is Tiny Tim, that same boy that Scrooge saw that was going to die someday if he didn't intervene. And so we're going to see what happens when he shows up with that turkey at Bob Cratchit's house. So the change in Scrooge was evident. People noticed all around that he was different. Even Charles Dickens wrote, and Gonzo told us right there, that he did infinitely more than he said he was going to do. And people noticed. For us, as we want to live lives that show Jesus, which we must do, if Jesus really has taken hold of our hearts, there should be a change that is evident. Thankfully, Scrooge 
showed that we can do this. But thankfully for us, we have Jesus in us. So we don't have to do this alone. We get the power of the Holy Spirit to help us with this transformation. And when we live these transformed lives, we will be like that light that shines into the world showing off Jesus, but we'll also be that city on a hill. Jesus also talked about it, like we should be trees that produce good fruit. The good fruit is the actions that we do after our lives are transformed. He talked about this several times, and his disciple John wrote three of those occurrences down, and they all appear in John chapter 15. So we're going to read verses 5, 8, and 16. Jesus said this, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. I'm so thankful that God has called me to serve in the ministry. I love it because I get to see fruit come off of people once they give their lives to Jesus. When I was our youth pastor with New Life students, that was always the best part of ministry. It was fun at a lock in a retreat when someone said that they trusted in Jesus, they were giving their life over. But it's easy to say it. But it's much more important when we start to see that Jesus has taken hold of your life. He did really transform you. Whenever we started students telling their friends about Jesus or inviting their friends to youth group or telling their friends via social media about Jesus or serving in some capacity, you knew that Jesus really was taking on someone's heart, that he was changing them and making them into who God has created them to be. Last night, we even had a New Life students small group show up here, the 12th grade girls, and they were serving in different capacities at the church. That is evidence that their lives is being changed for God. And so how do we do that? How do we live lives that show people that we trust in Jesus, that our lives have been changed? How do we be these lights into the world? Well, some of the things that we can do is we can glean from what Scrooge went through, how he acted at the end of the movie versus what he did in the beginning. In the beginning of the movie, he treated people as their faults deserved. He held their faults over them, their mistakes. He made sure that they were paid back evil with evil. That's kind of how the world treats it. If you do something bad, you get repaid for that bad thing. But God tells us that if we want to live differently, we have to look at people in a different light. The way that God looks at us, who we didn't deserve to be forgiven. We didn't deserve for Jesus to come for us, but God still sent Jesus, and that's what we celebrate at Christmas. The Apostle Paul tells us this in the book of Colossians. Colossians 3, 12 through 14 says, Since God chose you to be the holy people, he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. So how do we show the world that Jesus is within us, that he has given us this gift of new life? Well, we clothe ourselves with the things of God. And when we clothe ourselves with his love and his forgiveness, it should be as evident as the clothes that we are wearing. People must be able to see that we belong to Jesus by looking at the fruit that our lives produce. And when they see us being kind to someone, when they see us forgiving someone, when they see us, I love how it says it, make allowance for other people's wrongs, understanding that other people aren't perfect, understanding that people are going to make mistakes, and when they do, 
we're ready to forgive them. This doesn't mean we like celebrate their mistakes or, or tell them to make mistakes. We, when they make mistakes, we forgive them because Jesus first forgave us. That word forgive that was in Colossians 3.13 is really the Greek word charisme or charisme if you want to be Italian with it instead of Greek. To, it means this, to grant as a favor in kindness, to pardon or rescue, to deliver, to forgive, to freely give, or to grant. When we saw Scrooge interacting at that last scene, when he brought the turkey, it was a free gift. He wasn't giving it to Bob Cratchit because Bob Cratchit deserved it. He didn't do anything in that night to make sure that he earned a turkey. What Scrooge was simply doing was bringing a free gift to be kind in that moment, to be loving. I stumbled upon an article a couple weeks ago when I was writing this message. In the article, it talked about how Scrooge, the author believed, Scrooge was just as good of a person before his transformation as after. And at first, I thought it was kind of satirical. Like, I thought it wasn't, like, this, this wasn't really what the author believed, but he did. What his argument was, was all Scrooge did was treat people as their actions deserved. He said he didn't need to give Bob Cratcher or Tiny Tim any more than what he already agreed to pay them because it wasn't Scrooge's fault that Bob Cratchit had another kid and that kid happened to be sick. He could just give him what he felt like he deserved for his job and be done with it. And sure, maybe that's how the world sees it, but that's not how God sees it. God says we need to do more than that. We should look past what people's actions deserve and love them beyond that, to forgive, to freely give gifts to people, to freely give of our kindness. And when we clothe ourselves with love and forgiveness, our lives in Jesus will be evident to all. It'll be one of those things that shines like a light that people will know that it's something different. Because it's so drastically different than the world, people will notice that we belong to Jesus. What else can we do? So Scrooge was kind to people. He was also generous at the end of the movie as opposed to the beginning of the movie. There is this scene where two people come in and they're asking Scrooge to donate to the poor and Scrooge runs them out of there. The end of the movie in that montage, he goes and finds those people and he gives them gifts for the poor. He becomes generous. And we read from King Solomon what he had to say about greed. Let's hear what he has to say about generosity. And this is from Proverbs eleven twenty five. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. God showed us how to be generous because he was generous with us. Sent Jesus to this earth to die and to come back from the dead so that we can reunite with God in our relationship with him, not because we deserved it, but because he's generous to us and he loves us. And then God has also given us his blessing. When we're generous to other people, we get this joy that comes inside of us. Whenever we help and fulfill for others people's needs, we are refreshed because of the gift of blessing because it is better to give than to receive. God teaches us that not only through his word, but through the, the blessings and the gifts that he gives our lives when we give to other people. And I'm not just talking about being generous with our money. God's called us to be generous with everything that we are, with our time, talent, treasure, and touch. My favorite story from God's word about generosity happens a few days before Jesus was killed. It's recorded in the book of Mark in verses, or chapter 14, verses 3 through 9. It says this, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. 
Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. See, this woman came from a poor family. But recently, she had just seen Jesus heal her brother in a miraculous way. And then after that, she decided to go to Jesus and to pour out everything she had in this expensive jar to him. When the disciples saw that, they were angry, and they thought it was waste. They called it waste. And what they meant was waste in the way of giving excess to what is necessary or needed or asked for. So for instance, if you are going to go buy a t-shirt and it was $20 and you gave $21, you would have, in effect, wasted $1 because it would have been in excess of what was required. But when we see Jesus' response, we know that it couldn't have been waste. He was pleased by it. He was happy. He called it a good thing. And then he says that this woman got to do what no one else would get to do. She got to anoint his body before burial, which was a custom in the Jewish, Jewish faith. In fact, a couple days after this, he was killed, and then he was rushed to the tomb. On the third day after he died, some women went to the tomb with the plan to anoint his body for burial. But when they got there, Jesus had already risen from the dead. So what Jesus said was true. This woman got to do what no one else got to do. And then he goes as far as to say, wherever the gospel, the good news of Jesus is spoken about, this woman's deed is going to be spoken about as well. Now, for a long time I've heard that. I thought, why would that be the case? And then I read Watchman Nee's Normal Christian Life, and he talks about it in this way. He says that Jesus was simply saying that she poured everything out onto Jesus. In fact, showing us that what Jesus really desires, what pleases him, what satisfies him is when we pour all of ourselves onto him. And sure, the world might say, isn't that a waste for you doing that or giving money that way or giving your time or talent treasure? Is that a waste? But it's not a waste because Jesus is satisfied when we do that. And if it is a waste in the world's eyes, what a wonderful way to waste ourselves on Jesus in order to satisfy him. Because what better benefit could we get in this whole entire world than for pleasing the one who made us, created us, died, and rose again for us so we can be in unity and relationship with him. And when we live in such a way where we're pouring out everything that we are, as she poured out the perfume, we will be lights into the world. The Apostle Paul actually speaks about this to the church in Corinth. He says, thank God he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Love that he mentions that perfume. Just as this lady poured out the perfume on Jesus, we will be poured out into the world. We will be like a perfume permeating throughout the ends of the earth when we give our lives over to Jesus and we live in this such a way that people see Jesus in us. The word will spread and people will come to know Jesus. And when we are generous, you see, God is pleased, which is in itself enough. 
but also our lives in Jesus will be evident to all. It'll be evidence to people around us that we are different. And when our lives change, they should be different. They must be different. That's the way that people will see Jesus in us. And that was God's goal from the beginning of time for people to come into a relationship with him. That's why Jesus came. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why he died and rose again so that we could have this relationship with him. And God's plan is for us to show the world Jesus. And when we do that, people are going to come to know him. And this doesn't just happen once. It doesn't just happen at Christmas time or on Christmas Day when we are clothing ourselves with love and forgiveness and when we're being generous. This must be an action that we do throughout the rest of our lives. And when we look at Scrooge, we know that he didn't just do it on Christmas Day. He didn't just do all these nice things during a five-minute montage. We know that because Gonzo shared, and really Charles Dickens wrote this as the ending of a Christmas carol. It was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well. If any man alive possessed the knowledge, may that be truly said of us and all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us everyone. It was always, always, always said about him that he continued to keep Christmas well. And what a wonderful challenge for us to keep Christmas well with the power of the Holy Spirit, with Jesus in our lives and in our hearts. Imagine if we just kept Christmas well and the true meaning of it, the fact that Jesus came for you and me. We would truly be the lights into the world and the city on the hill and the perfume that permeates throughout the ends of the earth and trees that are bearing good fruit for Jesus. And when we do that, people will see Jesus in us and will be drawn into his presence. And ultimately, the prayer is that they will trust in him as Lord and Savior. We can do that practically this week with our next step. Our next step is simply, this week I'll clothe myself with the love of God and be generous with my life. I really like this because it's practical for today. Right now, we could go home or this evening, we could forgive someone. Maybe a small thing, maybe a big thing. We can forgive someone and in doing so, show them Jesus through our lives. Show them the love that Jesus has given to us. Today, we could be generous financially or with our time, talent, or touch. And when we do that, people see Jesus in us. But the cool thing is, if we all commit to doing that, not just today, but tomorrow, and continue with that habit of clothing ourselves with the things of God and being generous, not only will people see Jesus in us or just in this immediate vicinity around us, but the world will ultimately be impacted. Can you imagine if the whole community that is here would be shining as bright as that star over Jesus when he was born. People all over the world wouldn't be able to deny the fact that Jesus lives in us and that he is real and that he has come to bring people to him. And that was God's plan from the beginning. Imagine what would happen if Christians all over the world do this. It would be unmistakable that our God still reigns. So let us do that with our lives. Let us clothe ourselves with love, the things of God, and let us be generous. Because ultimately, our God is a generous God. He gave his son to die for us.